Today we come to a, a great chapter of the Bible, John chapter 6. This is a, this is a great, amazingly great chapter. Uh, here Jesus feeds 5,000 with only five loaves and two fish. He walks on water. He declares himself to be the bread of life and gives some incredible words of assurance to all believers and followers of Christ. Uh, let's think about three different things from this chapter. First is King Jesus. King Jesus. When we studied the synoptic gospels together, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we came across the story of the feeding of the 5,000 in all three of them, in Matthew 14, Mark 6, and Luke 9. Most of the details in John's account of this event are also found in those other gospels, with one notable exception. After the miracle took place, John alone notes that the people, in their excitement, quoting verse 15, were about to come and take him by force and make him king. They had just declared Jesus in the previous verse, verse 14, to be a great prophet. Now, they also view him as a king. The New Testament scholar D.A. Carson explains their reasoning when he says, Quote, if the first prophet, Moses, had led people out of slavery to Egypt, surely the second, Jesus, would help them escape servitude to Rome. That was their thinking. The crowd of people who were miraculously fed by Jesus that day reasoned that if he had the power to multiply the bread and the fish like that, surely he also had the power to rule and even throw the, the, the Romans who ruled over them. So even if Jesus didn't want to be king, they thought he would make a good one. And so they had every intention of taking him by force for that purpose. The fact is, it's not that Jesus didn't want to be king. It was that he already was king. But it was not his will that his kingship and, and rule be displayed in the way that they wanted. Jesus, when he returns and his kingship is on full display and fully seen by all, will not merely rule physically over one empire, Rome, but will rule spiritually and physically over all peoples and all empires. John also wrote the book of Revelation in which he declared that when Jesus returns, Revelation 19, 16, quote, on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. John declares also the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Jesus has already assured his everlasting uh, dominion over all things by his resurrection from the dead. But one day every eye will behold him, and every knee will bow, and every tongue confess his kingship. They wanted to make Jesus king by force that day in John 6.15. He already was king but they simply didn't realize what kind of king he already was. Secondly, let's think about the phrase, I am. In the next episode in which John records the event of Jesus walking on the water, John records, uh, just as the others did, that the disciples were frightened when they saw Jesus walking on the water. Jesus replied to them in their fear uh, in a remarkable way. Verse 20 says, but he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Virtually every English translation renders verse 20 that way. It is I. Do not be afraid. 
But Jesus actually replies to his disciples' fear there by saying, I am, fear not. The Greek reads, ego eimi, I am. And the language is intentional. This is the first of several times in John's gospel, see it several times in John chapter 8, in which Jesus would refer to himself by the divine name of the Lord revealed to Moses at the burning bush in Exodus 3.14, where the Lord revealed his name as, I am who I am. It's a direct claim from Jesus himself of his own deity. To add to this, a few verses later in, in the chapter, Jesus issues the first of seven different I am statements in the Gospel of John. In John 6.35, he says, I am the bread of life, also verses 48 and 51. In John 8.12, he says, I am the light of the world, also 9.5. In John 10, 7, he says, I am the door of the sheep. In John 10, 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. In John eleven twenty five, 25, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. In John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And finally, in John 15, 1, he says, I am the true vine. In the instance here in this chapter, Jesus had just fed the 5,000 with bread from heaven in the miraculous sense, showing that he possesses the same divine power as the Father who provided manna from heaven to that Israelite generation wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And indeed, he goes even further to say that those provisions of sustenance, uh, bread from heaven, and even the feeding of the 5,000 here were simply a shadow of the reality of the provision of the everlasting spiritual sustenance that would be sent from heaven in Jesus Christ. This is the point of John 6, 33 through 35. Whereas the Old Testament bread from heaven would leave them hungry the next day, only to have them go out to gather more, uh, Jesus would satisfy fully and everlastingly, verse 35. Many, later in this chapter, would misunderstand his cryptic way of referring to partaking in him for salvation. See that in verses 52 to 59, and would no longer follow him, verse 66. But Jesus is the bread of life, and he alone is our spiritual sustenance and basis of our spiritual life. And it is only in partaking of him through faith that we can have eternal life, verse 33. Thirdly and finally, um, from beginning to end. Well, the final observation I want us to see in this rich chapter are the incredible words of assurance that Jesus gives to every believer. His first assurance is to show that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, that did not begin with you. He says you were given to Christ in eternity past. Compare that thought to Ephesians 1.4. Notice the language Jesus uses. He says in verse 37, quote, All that the Father gives me will come to me. In verse 39, he refers again to, quote, all that he has given me. In verse 44, Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And again in verse 65, Jesus says, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. In other words, when you come to Jesus in faith for salvation, you can be unshakably confident 
that it is God the Father who gave you and brought you and drew you to Christ. And it is this truth that allows Jesus to give the further assurance that all who truly believe in Christ can never and will never fall away from the faith, but will most certainly be kept and saved until the end. In verse 39, he promises, quote, This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. It is true, according to verse 44, that, quote, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. But what is the promise to those who come to Jesus in faith by the drawing of the Father? Jesus promises, verse 44, I will raise him up on the last day. Because your salvation did not begin with you, but with God, your salvation will continue until the end, not because of you, but because of God. Salvation is from the Lord from beginning to end. We sing of this in our old hymns, one of my favorite hymns uh, that some of you may have sung growing up in your churches is Victory in Jesus, where we sing of Jesus, He sought me, He bought me with His redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him. Now, we don't use that word heir anymore, E-R-E, heir, but it means before. So think about that. He loved me before I knew him. So we sing and we proclaim that the Lord loved us before we even knew him, and we didn't seek him, but he sought us, and he bought us with his blood. From beginning to end, salvation is from the Lord, and those are precious truths from John chapter 6.